Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 118. Did you notice kind of how cheesy my intro was? Yeah, I was going to like, welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yeah, I just was too focused on making sure I said 118 because I wrote on the notes 117. Oh, man. But it's all good. Hey, you got it right on the podcast. You might have been wrong in your preparation, but in the delivery, you were correct, which I think is more important. Which which was what matters. And it's and nobody even is going to know that you wrote it wrong unless... That is true. But I already confess. Now, here's what's interesting. This is like our third update episode in three weeks because we had an update. Then we had a live update. Now we're having another update. But there's so much to talk about. We should just do like two updates a week. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. You know, Mike and I have talked about wouldn't it be sweet if we could drop a podcast a day? Not yeah. not on the weekends, but Monday through Friday. Yeah. Like because we got to go to our shows on Saturday and we have family stuff yeah. too. We gotta work. <laughs> you have to work. I have to work too. No, I'm saying like on, on the weekends we gotta work. Yeah, we gotta work. No, it's true. Saturday's my busiest day. Which is when we always record too. I know. It's it's a crazy day. It's like a full day. Yeah. I think I'm going on like, I don't know what, 14 or 15 hours right now. Yeah, it's pretty like it's that. pretty rough. It's pretty rough. But it's all good because we love our listeners, we love the update episode and we just want to share how things have been going. So talk to me. How have things been? Uh, so we're potty training my son right now. <laughs> it's not recently really. Yes, it is. Okay. All right. Connect it somehow. All right. So we put our store on. Do you understand how you just started our podcast? Yeah. I'm potty training my son. It's like a big deal. You know what? Okay. I, I guarantee no, no, you. It's a challenge. Don't get me wrong. It is brutal. Those of you that have parents out there, I empathize with everyone. We've got so many listeners Especially out when there. it's a boy. I'm certain that are like, yes, that that going through it now or we're about to go through it or have or 10 gone years through from it. now, we might go be going through yeah, it. Yeah. You know what? So like people are going to resonate with it. And, and beyond just that, this does relate because uh, my wife is the one that handles like all of the shipping. Um, Unless it's like a really big item or something like that. She, she's really good at, at doing the shipping, which I love because it's like my least favorite part. Favorite part is sourcing, which I think is most people's. I don't know how I got so lucky, but my wife, uh, she likes sourcing, but but she also really likes shipping. So she has no problem doing it. I don't know if it's like she really likes it. Like it doesn't like she doesn't like wake up in the morning and go like, I hope I get to ship today. Um, but I think she doesn't mind it. Whereas I'm like, I have <laughs> who to does? Ship. Who gets up and goes? I can't wait to start shipping now. Well, no, maybe if you're making money, but well, no. yeah, exactly. But I think she, I think she doesn't despise it like a lot of people do. Okay, right? I get it. All right. So, um, but anyways, so she's on potty training duty. Like I said, duty. Um, this is this is this is going down fast. Um, this this is gonna cause us. We we're growing actually as a podcast now. I don't know. Anymore. We just we just lost. Um, no, I mean it's you know everybody gets it. We all we have all been there. So, um, anyways, so shipping is not like something she can really focus on right now. So like normally it's like things sell. She can like you know bring my son to the office, get some stuff shipped, or like drop her off at at her mom's house and get some stuff done. Uh, but right now it's like in our house priority is like we've got to teach him the skill that's going to last him the rest of his life and we've got to teach it to him fast and so uh like for the next i mean we're we're at the tail end i'm actually like i'd say like today's probably our last day um of like we've only did like two days and he, he's pretty much caught on to it we've actually went out today we went to like a park and some other places and he was doing fine and all the parents uh, it took years I'm with you. I mean, so, no. So not everybody can be as perfect as Mike's child. No, and I'm not saying he's like through the night. Like he's like still, you know, like he's not like waking up in the middle of Your the night. Your son's going to love that you have this recorded on a podcast and on YouTube that will be there forever. I know, right? Like this forever. is this is documented. It, it's part of his history now. Uh, but anyways, all of that to say, 
we've put our store on three day shipping, three day handling. Because of body training? Because of body training. Wow, I've never, that's a new one for me. But I think what that's one of the nice things about reselling that I think like, okay, we can get focused on how do I scale? How do I scale? How do I make more money? But sometimes you're at a place where you're like, I'm doing fine. Things are going well. How do I adjust my business so that I can make it work for my life in this current season? And we were in a very short, like two to three days. Our life's going to look a little different. Let's adjust work to meet it. And what other jobs can you do that? Like very few other jobs can be like, we're doing this thing right now. So I'm going to change my responsibilities at work for the next couple of days. Like you usually can't do that. Like maybe you get like a week or two off sick time and you might like, I've got to take some sick time or personal time to do this thing. But we can just be like, no, we're still making money. Our sales are still coming in, but we just got a little bit more time. Maybe we've lost a couple of sales, but like, oh, well, right. Like, so that's one of the beauties of reselling. So that's kind of like, it's just that reminder of like, having that freedom and that flexibility isn't always just like, how do I make more money? How can I scale more? But like one of the benefits is I can make reselling work to my life instead of just changing my life to increase reselling. You know, that's a great point. I wanted to say two things and one thing real quick. So we have a lot of new listeners and they probably have no context as to why you, you had to change shipping to three days because of body training. Like in the sense that to do shipping, it's not like they just go to the next room. Like your wife can go to the next room, pick it, get the item, and pack it right there, right? You have to literally go to a different location. Yeah. So, and, and it's kind of funny because we're like actually relatively small time resellers, right? We're not yeah. like have this big warehouse or anything, but yeah, we're like 10, 15 minutes away from our office where we have all of our stuff stored and where we do our, all of our shipments and stuff like that. So, um, and then... There is a place locally that will ship like UPS and, and post office and stuff, but sometimes it's it's depending on the time of the day or the yes, day of the week. Reliable. It's not always, and it's not just that it's not reliable, but like sometimes things are, yeah, you know how. Well, it goes. the times, like yeah. they're not they're not open when they need to be. Right, and so we, uh, you know, it's it's we have to travel, we have to like kind of plan out our day, so it's like okay, like we go to the office, we get work done, we go home, and it's not an easy like back and forth. It's a twenty minute round trip, right? So it's like once a day we're going to go do shipment, right? Like, unless we have to like, okay, we have this emergency thing we have to do. So, um, so yeah, so we went, once we moved from our house, cause when we, we lived in the condo, we had everything in our garage, which was nice. But let me just say, like, I think there's a benefit to having a split between where you live and where you work. Yeah, now there's, 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 there's pros and cons to both. It's not like one is like the winner and the other one is the loser. The benefit of, of having it right there is like, any time of the day, it's like, I've got free time. I'm going to go take some pictures. I'm going to go list some stuff. You know what I mean? So you had that flexibility. The downside was um, sometimes it's hard to separate like work and and family time or work and home time, right? Whereas now it's like, when I go to work, I get in my car and we're doing shipping or, or taking pictures. We drive to where we're going. And then it's like uninterrupted time. We're here. We get done what we need to do. And it's not like, oh, let's do some laundry and let's cook dinner. And let's like, there's not those distractions. So you know, it's, it's, there's, there's pros and cons to both, but you know, the way we have it set up right now has been pretty beneficial and, um, yeah. So three day handling time, we're still making money and, uh, we were able to adjust reselling to help potty train my son. So in some ways I could say like eBay played a role in the potty training of my child. There you go. <laughs> hey, good. Maybe we good. should send that to that's eBay. Good. Like they could that's use that great, as advertisement. Great commercial. Change your life. No, but it's true. One not of, diapers. Change I, your life. Not the, diapers. It, oh. <laughs> okay. Mic drop. There you go. No pun intended. So one, I would say the ultimate reason that I'm a full-time reseller is the time freedom. Mm -hmm. 
the fact that I can adjust at any time. You know, I like, you know, at the time of this right now, if you're listening to this podcast and it's Wednesday morning, Orlando will be at the Super Bowl parade in San Francisco after the 49ers have won the Super Bowl. Whoa. So So I can do that and not have to worry about my nine to five or have to ask anybody like I can just get tickets and I can go. And guess what? I'm going to source while while I'm here. So whatever, you know, when this podcast drops. So it's beautiful because back in the day, like leaving San Diego randomly to go to a trip to San Francisco to hang out with people and go to the Super Bowl parade would have been unheard of. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe to go leave and watch the Super Bowl like live, but to go to just a parade just to celebrate like that would have been unheard of. And I can do it now. So, yes. Money is nice, but to me, the time freedom is a lot better. Yeah, it's huge. And so that's just one of those things like it's it's always hard because you don't know who's listening on the other end, right? Like mm-hmm. whoever you are out there, we don't know, right? Like like you've got your own story, your own life, your own circumstances. And so sometimes it's easy, especially when you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're 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 on YouTube, you're watching and listening to people talk about reselling. And to get like focused, like there's a, a right way of doing it. And we try and talk all the time, like you've got to find what works for you. And that might change as circumstances in your life change. But think of reselling in that way. Like, how is it going to be able to provide you freedom? And and it's not like that freedom comes that just like easy, like it's, you don't have to do anything to have that freedom. Like we work really, really hard to have that freedom. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the things that reselling can offer you. So if you're like on the fence, or if you're like, you know, what, I don't know. It's like reselling is a lot of work and, and I don't know if I really want to scale. Well, maybe scaling isn't what you want to do. Like maybe you're fine where you're at and you can just find ways to maybe optimize and then use the time freedom. Or maybe you're like, you know what? All I've got right now is time. Which How is do I so turn that into money? to hear sometimes that scaling isn't the way. Because mm. if you're on social media, like if you're not scaling, you're failing. Mm. That's another shirt for, for all the ballers out there. Yeah. If you're not scaling, you're failing. Yeah. But seriously, it's you watch this and you're like, why don't I have, you know, whatever K a month on eBay or whatever K a month on on Amazon? I must be doing something wrong. But the reality is, if you're enjoying life and you you have that time freedom and it's allowed you to do things, it's okay. Mm. Like, I'm not saying you need to change the equation. And and we're very big on the podcast about that. Mm. I think, you know, we do get in our like empire like episodes. Right. But when it comes down to it. No, I I love Empire, but if it's going to come at the cost of my time freedom, like, I don't want it. You know? That's good. What about you? What's new with you? A lot. Are you building your empire? I am building my empire. There's a lot going on. So going back to garage sales, which is kind of weird that I can say I haven't gone to garage sales. Well, I did go. Last update, I shared that I went to one. But to go again, Mm. like, that was was interesting because that was two weeks in a row. And it's been a long time. And it, it was better this last time around. So, you know, I saw some interesting items, some signage and so on. But the thing I wanted to talk about was I sent in my last retail arbitrage shipment for three months. Mm. And um, it felt kind of weird because, you know, when I went full time, I was 70% Amazon or 60%. I can't remember what my exact percentage was. And 30% eBay. You're on the process of switching that. How's that going? Well, I've tried to switch, but now I'm forcing the switch. And, you know, I can't tell you how it's going because <laughs> uh, at the time we were recording it, it's only day one. And day one was, I didn't list anything. But here's the thing with eBay. Like, I know. Off to a good start there. Well, no, but, you know, you always hear people. And I agree. 
like you have to list consistently. And I would say if you could list 25 a day, like some of the big time, you know, eBayers out there, there's some that do over a hundred a day. Like you, you can make things happen. Like as long as you're sourcing the right items, you will make things happen. I got a question for you along that yeah. line. Like I don't mean to derail you here, but yeah. um, I bought, and I might mention it in a random store. I don't know. Uh, but I bought a bunch of um, items that maybe I could lot together. I could sell them individually. There's like 20 some of them, but I'd only make a couple dollars each. Is it worth it even just for algorithm since to, to list each one? They're separate items that are like in a, a series, like it's disc one, disc two, but they're different boxes. Would it be worth like listing those as separate items if I've got the available inventory, like our listing, like it's not going to cost me anything. I have the mm-hmm. openings there just to be triggering algorithms, like have 20 listings instead of one, even though, you know, the profit's not that great per item. Like, do is that worth it? Do people do that? Or is that kind of a waste? So how much profit are you going to make if you lot it? Is it going to be it's, a it's, lot more? It's, it's, no, I, I would say it's probably pretty comparable. So I've ch- And it's not a lot. Like I'm, I'm talking like, if I lotted it all together, my net profit's probably like $25, $30. If I sell them individually, my total net profit's probably only like $25, $30. So it's not like this is a life-changing thing, but I'm thinking since this isn't a big profit anyways, is it worth getting 20 listings in just to trigger some algorithm? So it's weird because I've, I've changed the way I do things. So I would say a year and a half ago, I would say lot them all and try to sell them. Now I would say don't lot them unless you already have a lot of lower end items. I'm a big, I'm really changing. Like I like having lower end items because it does trigger the algorithm. It gives you that sale that triggers other sales. Now, some of you might disagree. I just, I find that to be true in my circumstance. And what I do with those items, I, they're fixed price. They're not even best offer. They're fixed price. They're at a competitive price and I just want to sell them through. Mm. Right. And because the money I make by triggering those sales is definitely worth me maybe losing that dollar or whatever, because I have it lower than I normally would. Right. So that's kind of where I see that. I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I do things because I, I actually, I've, I've mentioned this before. I've moved more things to buy it now and I, I find success. And I find that when you do buy it and when I mean by now, that means with no best offer that when you do a send offer on an item that has no best offer, it sells better when you do send the offer because they have no ability mm. to negotiate. But when you send the offer, there's an ability to negotiate, but it's in your control. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just that like, had there been a best offer, somebody would have just offered you the amount. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I'm doing it for two reasons. One, I'm doing it for the fact of like, this is the dollar amount I want. Mm. The other one is I'm tired of unpaid items. Mm. Right. And so it's eliminated some of that. Like right now I have six unpaid items again. And it's because I've fallen away from big drift drift see i said it right her philosophy of like you know adjusting the price and just because i just i got lazy right uh, and and if you kn- want to know what i'm talking about is uh so allenson who's big drift drift <laughs> i always say that right uh had shared with us that you know when somebody sends you a best offer a way you can avoid not getting paid and this is if you're not in managed oh this isn't anything Avoid not getting paid is by mess- messaging them with a counter offer or declining the offer and messaging them in that decline and saying, hey, I'll adjust the price in the listing. You're welcome to buy it. And then if they buy it, they have to pay because there's no best offer on the table. Mm. Right. Okay. So I hope I answered your question. Did I answer your question? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So here's the thing with the last. So I sent in my last RA shipment and 
it's kind of weird because I'm in inventory lab. You know, I paid, it was Nike, like friend and family discount. So I bought a bunch of stuff for, I think I paid like 730 bucks and then I'm going to net profit 1200. I'm like, oh, that's good. I, I, I'm like, I really want to let this go. But then I, I looked, I looked and they have these boxes of Amazon inventory. Some of them returned that I've lost money on. Some of it is stuff that I pulled from the warehouse because I got tired of it not selling. And, you know, Amazon lo- Amazon takes care of your stuff unless you're not selling it with them anymore. And then when they return it to you, it is trashed. Amazon, if you're listening, Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, like, I know you don't care about us. I get that. But, man, why does my inventory have to be trashed? And then to do the follow-up and to file a claim, like, you imagine doing that on several hundred items? Mm. And so I looked at that and then I, I remembered that, you know, what it tells me on inventory lab isn't the profit I'm necessarily going to make by the time it gets to the warehouse and it sells. It could be a lot more, but most of the time, I would say it's probably a 20, 30% dip by the time it sells. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm glad to do this experiment. Now, some people have DM me. They're like, Orlando, why are you stopping retail arbitrage? Because, you know, I do a lot of retail arbitrage. And so I want to clarify a few things. Number one, my account is not suspended. I'm 100% good. My health is perfect right now. Even with that... that about your, your, your health is good. My health is okay. Good. All right, good. It's okay. It's getting better. Um, the other thing is, it's not because, you know, I, I'm not in any kind of Amazon trouble. Like, because I know first thing people go to is like, did Rolando get suspended or... You know, did he lose a lot of money? No, no, everything was good. Q4 was good. It's just, I want to see this happen. I want to do three months of hardcore Q4 eBay kind of hustle and see what I get. And if things go really well, (laughs) I don't know. We'll see what happens after that. But here's the thing. Non-RE life is so much more relaxing. Mm. I I can't even tell you, like, it's it's only been a day, but I already was starting this process like for a week and just getting up and going, huh, I'm just going to list today and I'm going to pack today. I'm not going to go to five RA stores. I'm not going to order OA. I don't have to do warehouse work. Like that was kind of nice. Yeah. I think that's something my wife and I have talked about and I don't know if it's right. And maybe we'll do it during Q4. Like you mentioned on a couple episodes ago, like it's not going away for Q4 for me. No. Yeah. But I just, I don't think we, like if we do Amazon, I don't think we could do it or would want to do it the way you do it. I, I think because I'm doing it wrong. I don't know if it's because you're doing it wrong. It's just, I mean, it's a lot of work and you, you're you you're clearly getting success. You're making money doing it. But it's like, I just like, it's one thing I think people need to realize, like if you're willing to like work, like bust your butt and work, like the money is there, but it's like, can you get kind of some similar money without quite as much work. I mean, maybe not as much money, but you know, you're still doing pretty good, but like less work. So the comparable, it's like the same by doing eBay, which is the big, you know, question you're trying to answer or even just the, how enjoyable it is. Like, I mean, maybe it's enjoyable when you're like on the hunt for certain items and you're finding it, but like, you know, there's something about the treasure hunt of garage sales and thrift stores and, and even making contacts that like, and doing bulk buys and, and, you know, Facebook marketplace and all those things. Like there's like, there's this like treasure hunt aspect to it, or which I just feel like you don't get when you're doing the retail arbitrage and maybe it's there and, and I'm not doing it. So I don't know, but it just sounds kind of miserable. 
A little uh, bit. Yeah, no, no. That, that's why that's why I'm taking this break. Just because, and I know a lot of people will say, well, Orlando, you should use a prep center or you should do online arbitrage. But even then, that's to me, that feels like you're in an office in a cubicle and you're staring at a screen all day. Like, I, to me, and I could be wrong, but I, I don't see how that's any different. I mean, right? it is, though. It is different if it's, it, you're, you're, you're still your, your, your own boss. But it's boss. even lonelier. Like, at least, at least when I'm in a cubicle in an office, like, there's my coworkers. Yeah, but, but, but how many times do you talk about just, not even just the freedom of time, but, like, freedom of, you're not working for somebody else. So, like, you could still have that. And, like, if you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's going to work 80 hours a week, and it might be monotonous work, and, like, I'm okay with that because I'm going to make a ton of money. Like, I, I think... Retail arbitrage and Amazon FBA sounds great. Like, so that, uh, we probably have many I just, of our I just listeners. Think, like, that's their life and that's how they do it. And they're probably making 10 times the no, amount I, of money that I'll ever make. I agree. Selling. And I'm not trying to diss anybody that does it. I just know for myself, like, I, the worst job I think I ever had was when I went to work for JCPenney and I wanted to be a loss prevention person to catch shoplifters because I just loved the adrenaline rush and I was young and, you know, I didn't care if people pulled guns on me, even though I wasn't a cop. It was kind of weird. But, they made me work in a warehouse for a month before. I don't know why. It was kind of weird. They're like, well, we can hire you to work in the warehouse and then we'll promote you. That warehouse life was miserable, mm. like miserable, like packing. Um, and I, I was doing the JCPenney online catalog. Like I had to get shipments together and I had to pack. I mean, it was FPA, but in a warehouse. Mm. And, it, and maybe that's why. Maybe because I have that background story. Maybe that's why this stuff kind of, you know, because even though I made a great amount of money, it. It didn't, it didn't, it doesn't feel the same as if, you know, when, you know, the other day when I sold a coffee grinder and I made it like, like I was like, Hey, I found this item. I listed it. I made a good amount of money and I instantly got paid. Like that felt nice. Mm. Right. Hey, I sold 40 toys at an overpriced, you know, price to a family. And then that family decided that they wanted to re you know, half of those families decided to return them because they found that it was cheaper. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And then, again, I'm talking about Ari. So just my experience. Don't come at me. I'm not, I'm not trying to cause drama. I'm just saying. All right. Um, and taxes. <laughs> this is the other thing. So my tax person retired. And I didn't know that mm -hmm. until I was ghosted. Um, <laughs> but her, uh, you know, but there's, there's a new tax person in my life. And um, so farewell old tax person. I hope your life is good in your yeah. retirement. Um, <laughs> so you're, you found somebody else. Yeah. And I'm kind of concerned because, you know, I, it's, it's not like training because I've, I've shared with people. So some people go, you know, and I love Mark Toe. Like he's, he's awesome. And if he uses services, you know, all I hear is great things. But what I'll say is that, you know, and Mark answered this question for us on the interview is that e-commerce and regular brick and mortar taxes are kind of the same, mm. right? You're dealing with inventory. You're dealing with overhead. It's just a little different overhead. So I'm not super concerned. I just, I like the ebb and flow I had with my other tax person because they understood, like they actually started understanding, you know, the first questions are like, what is Amazon FBA? Mm. Like, wait, why do you have these fees over here? Wait, help me understand why Merchant Fulfilled had less than fees than Amazon fees. Mm. You know, like all that terminology and where to get the reports and all that. So that's where I mean, there's an advantage to having I hope I'm saying his name right, Mark Toe, in your life to be your tax person, right? Because you don't have to retrain someone else. So anyways, but, you know, I'm excited about the eBay focus. Here's the other thing. So now that I'm, you know, doing all eBay, <laughs> so I've talked about, I've organized my inventory. 
I thought I was organized until. Oh, you thought wrong. Oh, I thought really wrong. So I go into. I can my, tell just by knowing you. <laughs> Thanks. Just kidding. Appreciate that. You're, you're, you're a mostly organized person. I just need somebody in my life to help me get organized. So anyways, um, I go in my storage unit and, you know, I'm like, wait, why, why do I, ha- what, what, is this listed? I go, nope, this isn't listed. How about this? Wait, this isn't listed either. I find a random pair of sandals by a toe. I'm like, what, what is this? Why is this here? Like things I didn't think about mm. because I was so busy with Amazon. Mm. And so it's kind of weird. I had local stuff that I forgot that I had listed locally. I just ended up donating it just because if it was listed on eBay, you know, my thoughts listed and forget it. Like I'll keep mm. stuff on eBay. I just sold a, a hello kitty shirt that I've had listed for seven years. Probably made 30 cents profit. But you know what? It's old. Okay? Yeah, man, money's money. <laughs> Even the 30 cents. But local stuff, there's some just local buys that were big and bulky. And I'm like, this needs to go. So I had to spend so much time reorganizing again, but it was good. And then I had to ask myself, like, why do I have this price point on these items? So focusing on eBay has definitely helped me improve, you know, my eBay store and my listings and so on. So I'm thankful for that. So that is kind of my update. Have you been doing uh, any FB marketplace sourcing? Like you talked last time, did you do any more of that? Oh, Facebook marketplace? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it, I'm the niche that I'm currently like in, and I'm sure I'm going to expand a few more and it'll, it'll make things move faster, but it's kind of slow. Um, there's only a few things each week listed. And of those few, like most of them aren't in like a profitable price range. Okay. So I, I'm finding it's only once every couple of weeks that I'm finding something like, okay, there's a win. Okay. There's a win. So it's slow and I've got a couple niches like that. Um, so I would say probably, yeah, it's about every couple of weeks that I find like one or two that it's like, all right, I'm going to make some profit. But the nice thing is it's pretty decent profit for not a ton of work. So I just do this search like once a day, maybe a couple times a day. It takes me 30 seconds, right? Because I just open up really quick, do the search. Um, nope, nothing new. Done. Right. But if there's a couple new things, and that's the nice thing too about having like a niche like this is I'm not scrolling through hundreds of new listings every day. Yeah. Right. So that's been beneficial. Um, and so I think maybe I'm going to try and over the next few weeks, learn a new one or two, right? Like, okay. Okay. Like, okay, let's see if I can break into something else. But the hard part is, like I said, it's taken a couple of years before I've gotten to the place where I found one that's not so oversaturated, right? It's like, there's enough wiggle room there. So like, I don't know, what's another one I can jump into that's not already overpriced or, or, or oversaturated with resellers or people, you know what I mean? So it's tough. I think Facebook Marketplace is great, um, but it like anything like that, you've got to be looking for the right things. Sometimes you got to be at the right place at the right time, um, and it depends on what you're willing to sell. I mean, if if I was willing to go local to local, I'd probably make more. Like okay. if I was willing to buy really? big items, like if I was willing to like pick up refrigerators and, and oh yeah, no, and, there's you know what I mean? Make a killing doing that, yeah. yeah. So like if I was willing to do that stuff, like pick up couches and buy like bigger pieces of furniture or items that I wouldn't want to ship. I'd probably do better. Facebook. You know, there's some people that will like, they'll see it and they'll buy it, but like they'll list it before they buy it. Isn't that crazy? It makes sense. So it's kind of like, you know, uh, it's like drop shipping, but not. Yeah. It's like houses when they do wholesale, you know what I'm talking about? Like they'll find a house, they'll find a buyer for the house and then they'll, they'll charge like 10 grand more than what they were going to buy the house for. And so they're just like the, there's a middleman. 
And that's how they make their 10,000 on top of it. I'm probably butchering the way it works. Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm sure that's. No, it's like I approach you and there's a house, right? So you're selling your house for 50, right? So I'm like, okay, I'll buy your house for 50. Then I find somebody else that's looking for a house. I'm like, hey, I have this house to sell for 60. They pony up the money. I don't have to use any of my money. And then they buy the house. You keep the 10 grand. That's the very basics of it. I don't, I mean, maybe that works like that. I just don't understand how escrow and like. I, I don't know. I don't know any of that. I'm just saying that's how, FHA that's the very and, basics. And, you know, anyways, wait, that's a whole nother world. Why are we talking about something we don't know about? We're just getting uh, moving. All right. That's my fault. Okay. Any random stories? Um, I mean, I don't know so much about random, but like today I went to, for the first time actually since reselling, which is weird. Um, maybe it's not weird, but I went to a swap meet. And when I, where I grew up, I went to Mike. Let's, let's, let's re. So Mike was big on thrift stores. Mike is doing online arbitrage. He's going to Facebook marketplace. Now he went to a swap meet. Is that like, like a big step up or a step? No, it's, you're diversifying, you're sourcing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So like, I loved the swap meet as like a kid all the way up through like probably later ages of high school. Like if I could go to the swap meet like every weekend, I would have. Like really? I loved the swap Man, meet. And swap meet was worse than the thrift store for me growing up. I loved the swap meet. Like we didn't get to go very much, but there was one pretty close to my house. And so it was like, I begged my parents to go. And then once I started driving and it was only like 50 cents or a buck to get in or something, I think it was, yeah, it was pretty cheap. And so like I would go probably every weekend once I was in high school just to walk around and see what was for sale. And sometimes I'd buy stuff. Um, I mean, man, swap meets have changed though. Cause like, there's all these rules about what they can sell there and not. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they can't sell new items at certain swap meets. Really? Uh-huh. I didn't know that. But um, like the swap meet I would go to, they'd have animals for sale, right? Like <laughs> pets. Like I don't see that anymore. So like things have definitely changed since I used to go to swap meets. But like it was weird to go back to a swap meet, but I, I did it for two reasons. One, I was up really late last night and I was like, okay, garage sales aren't going to happen. I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. And so probably even went to the swap meet too late because people start packing up really early. It's so weird. I mean, I know it's hot. But it's like 1030. No, it was, it was like 70 degrees today. Well, you know, versus San Diego people. It's hot. So, um, but yeah, so people are packing up and they're leaving. And so I'm like maybe missing some stuff. But I'll tell you, I went for two reasons. One, I wanted to try and source some stuff Two, I was like, you know what? Would it be worthwhile for me to potentially buy a spot and be a seller at one? How would that work? Should I use it to offload stuff? Like what, what would that look like? Especially because... Sundays seem to be like a hot day for certain swap meets. Like they mm-hmm. actually charge more on Sunday than they do on Saturdays, which I, I don't quite get. But hey, that would allow me to go garage sales on Saturday and then swap meets on Sunday, which is kind of cool. But man, it's a different world. It's a completely different world. Like it's not like what I remembered it. And I'm sure it's exactly the same as when I was a kid. But like when At I- At least w- out here. Yeah. And it depends what swap meet you go to. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. I'm sure like there's some that are different nights. So they have, they probably all have their own culture, right? Yeah, Does I mean, I, I would say, I'm going to use the word jankier. Some are. Some are jankier and some are not jankier. Yeah. Classier. But <laughs> Classier. here's the thing, like, so, so it's its own culture. I guess the only way I could say, because I'm sure there are people who come, they're just occasional sellers. Then you got your usuals. Then you got people who are almost like, I mean, this is their lifestyle. I mean, we're resellers, so we know, like. We're our own type of person. We're a little different than the average Joe. And some resellers are jankier. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we're all just different for sure. But like, man, when you go to like a, a, a swap meet, it's like, it's its own culture. And when you go and you're just buying stuff for yourself, it's very different than when you're going like looking for stuff to buy. Because I mean, everybody mm-hmm. there is trying to make a, a dollar, right? Like everyone's trying to make some money. 
And I, the, I'd say the places where I did the best were like, you could tell like, these are people who just like got a booth for like the, the day. They wanted to offload some stuff and have a garage sale here kind mm -hmm. of versus you could tell the very clear, like, oh, these people set up every single weekend for yeah. sure. Like yeah. they're always here. I, you could tell. But then there's the ones that are always there, but they've got the most random assortment of stuff. Like you have the, some people who have like literally like, they look like a little store. Like they've got all new stuff. They got like some food items. They got cleaning items. They got like in, in the right, like, and it's a store and some of them have big booths and some of them are like, you, I, I can just tell based off of how the interactions are happening here. Like you're here every weekend, but you've got like a garage sales worth of stuff out here. And most of it's just junk. I mean, some, some people had really nice stuff. Some people is just like, where are these people getting this stuff? And how are they like, how do people make it work? Like, I'm almost wondering, like in my mind, this is what I've seen happening. Some, and I'm not saying all the people there, there are some really great vendors, but I'm assuming some of the vendors are probably like, getting stuff for either free or almost free. Whether they're like just cleaning up like at the end of garage sales, like, hey, I'll yeah, buy like everything for, sale, you know what I mean? Else, yeah. And then they just pour all the junk out on the floor and then they're just like making money here and there. But like, it's like $30 to be a seller there. So I'm like, if you're coming every weekend, you've got to be making some money here, but how are you making money on this stuff? Like, I wouldn't pay a dollar for anything you have on the floor here. You wouldn't. But that's what I mean. So like, there are a lot of people who are going there, but then like the prices on some of these places, they weren't like cheap, which tells me that like people who are, I would imagine shopping for these things, I wouldn't imagine have like, wouldn't want to spend the money on this thing either, but clearly they must be if these people are doing this consistently selling here. Like, I don't know. I just don't understand the culture. That's a different side of reselling that I don't get. And so like, I, I'm interested to learn more about it because there might be some un, untapped potential money there. Well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I have some reseller friends and they'll source garage sales, but all they do is like, they'll source them all day and they'll just go to the swap meet the next day and they'll just double the price of what they paid at the garage sale. So they, they do make good money, right? Or they, I have, I know some people that have estate cleanouts and they'll bring their stuff and they already made money. So if they can sell it for super cheap and offload it, it pays, you know, it's less than going to the dump or having to donate it or having to transport it. You know, you're making the profit on it. But like some of these people who are cleaning up, they had like literally, I would say four or 500 items. Some of them, some of it's like 30, 50 items on a yeah. table, but some of them have like a couple of stalls and it's mostly just junk. <clears throat> and they've had to have spent a long time putting all this stuff out and putting it away. And like, they're doing that every week in the same junk. And eventually they're just hoping it's going to sell. Like, I don't know, like, See the one the the people I know that do swap meets like they try to sell everything they can that day. Like, I mean that would make sense. Like to me. I don't know I don't know well but then again I only know so many like I I don't know I honestly I don't know anyone that's a consistent like every week they have the same stuff they're mm. selling. Most of the ones I know is they either a they're doing that one time like they haven't they don't do swap meet all month but they have a whole bunch of junk and they need to find a way to offload it or b they go sourcing all day Saturday or Friday or whatever sometime during the week. And then they offload that stuff for a certain amount, you know? So, yeah. But you know, the other part is, uh, there, there is, it's a whole nother culture. Cause I remember when I used to go consistently to the big one in San Diego, uh, Kobe swamp me, like people know each other, mm -hmm. people, you know, do trades, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, so it's definitely, uh, it's a different reselling world. And I think on the other part of the country on the East coast, they're called flea markets. Yeah. You know, I think, I think we're talking about the yeah, same so thing. Yeah, so when we say swap me, that's what we're talking about. You know, like you, you, you rent a parking space somewhere, sell your stuff. Yeah, because I mean, I, I've done the, I've done it before. I've done the swap me and, uh, and I've done rummage sales, which is kind of the same thing out here, uh, where I had to buy a spot. Actually, 
um, at one of the stores that shall not be named before they built that one, there, there used to be a place where in town where that's where the like swap meet happened. And uh, yeah, I remember I, I would sell stuff, but I had to sell it for cheap. Like I remember if I try to sell things for anything that I thought was valuable, I wouldn't get any money for it. Mm. So yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, did you find anything? Uh, I mean, I got, honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't as profitable as I'd have liked if I just spent more time at each station and really digging through stuff. But my wife was visiting a friend. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go just for a couple of hours and I'll come pick you up after uh, I'm done. So I probably made, or we'll make like 40 mm. or 50 bucks net profit. So not a ton. <laughs> okay. Not, not great by any means. But at the same time, like, I just want to imagine like anything else where it's like your spouse or somebody's like, Hey, drop me off. I'm going to be over here for a couple of hours. Like go kill some time. Right. Like I, I think about how many times that's happened in my life. Like I'm going to go kill some time. I'm going to go run in and get some food somewhere. I'm going to go walk a target or whatever. Right. Walk them all. Just kill a little, kill a couple hours. I killed a couple hours and I made 40 or 50 bucks. Right. Like that's kind of cool. So even though it wasn't like, Hey, I just, you know, made a whole bunch of money. It's like, Hey, I, I, I killed some time and I made money doing it. Okay. Like, that's kind of cool, right? You're, you're saying, okay, like it's not that big well, of a deal. But my life is, my, my hour is more valuable than 40, 50 bucks. Well, I'm not saying mine's not more valuable I than that. I, I'm just giving you a hard time. That's all. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. We're good. <laughs> I'm hurt right now. You know what? No, listen, I, we need to go, we, me and you need to go to Swap Me together. Like before the next update episode. Mike's like looking at me. It's like my schedule. Like there's no way. But I think it'd be cool. Like we should go to like the big one. Okay. And like see, because I haven't gone. I used to go every Sunday. I remember I would take the kids and we, we'd go. And and I remember my kids hated it. Like they hated it. Even now my son will go. like, dude, you used to take us to the swamp me. I'm like, yeah, it was fun. He's like, no, it wasn't. It was terrible. Right. Um, But uh, I, I wonder because. It's probably been about four years since I've sourced, and I know a lot more now than I did four years ago. So I'm wondering if I would see things differently. So, you know, I wonder how you would see things, you know? Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, hey, that was a great experience. All right. So, I, you know, I got to, um, so this is where recently pays off, not necessarily in a, you know, profit kind of way, but you know how we talked about how you still make money as a reseller by buying stuff that you, you would have to buy anyways, mm -hmm. right? Now, this was not a something I needed, but you know, the Niners are in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And right now I'm at the Super Bowl parade as you're listening to this podcast with a 49ers jacket that I sourced. Wait, wait, wait. Is the is the the parade is on Wednesday? Yep. All right. So now I already planned on going to go visit friends, but it just ended up falling on the same day. But here's the interesting thing. So I wasn't, a, you know, I'm still a Niners fan, but Niners haven't been to Super Bowl in a while. And I've sold all kinds of Niners gear, but, you know, they weren't going to Super Bowl or anything. So I, I'm okay selling everything. Well, you know, it hit me. I'm like, I'm going to SF. I'm going to the parade, but I got no Niner gear. Like I've sold all my Niner gear and the stuff I do have in inventory has, you know, either sold by now or it doesn't fit me. <clears throat> so this is where knowledge pays off. So I go to Facebook Marketplace. And I look for 49ers stuff and it's selling top dollar, mm -hmm. but there's one jacket in there selling for 30 bucks and it's a starter jacket and it's vintage and it's, it's nice. And the jacket, the resale value is probably two to $250 and selling for 30 bucks. So I jump on it and it's selling for 40. You just destroyed someone's niche right now. 
<laughs> well, here's the thing. I tried to make that my niche the last week. Like I was trying to source 49er gear. It just, just there was no money. Like everybody knows about it, you know? So I get this jacket and I show up <clears throat> and it's like middle, it's like nine o'clock at night, right? Because I want to get this jacket because I know somebody else is going to jump on it. So another guy shows up. I'm like, hey, why do you get this? Why do we have this jacket? And he's like, oh, I'm a, I'm another, I'm a reseller. Mm. And I'm like, okay, do I mention I'm Pure Russell Podcast? Right. Mm. So I did. And the guy's like, whatever, you know, who cares? You guys are nobodies. So, <laughs> so I, I get the jacket and there's no zipper on it. Like there's a zipper, but the, the pull tab's gone. And I'm like, hey, was this disclosed in the listing? He's like, oh yeah, it, it, it's on there. I'm like, um, in my head, I'm like, no, it wasn't. But 30 bucks and the jacket can flip for 250. So I'm like, and then I'm like, I'll pick And there was a terror by the hood. Now I knew about the terror by the hood. So I'm thinking to myself, like, this guy is like going to lose money on something that he could have made money on very easily. Like why, why did he like, why didn't he just take the extra step? And again, it's a knowledge game with these items. Like you, you really have to like know things really well to make money when they're damaged. Right. It's kind of like electronics. Like you talked about VCRs. Like I, I'm not going to clean heads on a VCR. Like it's easy, right? To do this. Yeah. Okay. It's not hard. Can you get it's up close to the mic, yeah. Mike. Thanks. I was, I wanted to go I, for the like room. I just wanted room. to do that because it's always Mike telling me. So it was, it was a perfect opportunity there for me. So it's <laughs> give me our time. So I, uh, so I see this jacket and I'm like, whoa, wait, sorry. I just, right now I'm trying to show something on Facebook marketplace and I see another jacket that I can source. But anyways, oh, uh, not if I source it first. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to pull up the transaction, but so the guy doesn't share like the flaws in it, but I'm still like, I can make money on this and it's a sweet jacket and I can wear it. So, uh, you know, I tell the guy I'm a reseller too. That's awesome. And, you know, he probably thought he made a deal. I'm thinking he actually told me, he's like, you're getting this for a steal. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> but he didn't back off. So I bought the jacket. So I took it to my tailor. My tailor charged me a little bit more than I care to be charged, but that's because I had to expedite this because I bought this. How much is that? So she charged me. I know. So we have some listeners that are awesome to me and always told me, Hey, if you need anything tailored, let me know and you can ship it and I'll take care of it. I would have gone to you, but I needed this like super fast mm. and shipping and everything wouldn't have worked out. So she charged me $35 to that's not bad to get the zipper done on it and to sew the hood and it's nice like i'm gonna resell so i don't know if i'm gonna resell it because the jacket it looks legit like i it takes me back but here's the thing i paid 65 dollars for something and which you know if i wasn't a reseller i would have been stuck and i would have had to pay like 200 dollars instead I might buy this jacket if I like it. I'll keep it for life. If I want to resell, I can flip it and make 200 or so bucks on it. So I'm like, hey, you know what? That's another aspect of reselling that we sometimes talk about, but, you know, we don't share as much. Mm. It's a sweet jacket, too. So I, I kind of, I think I texted you about it, but you get, I didn't text you the picture of it. But here's another thing you got to understand, like in reselling, I get people that DM me this all the time. And we actually talked about this in the last a hustle of the week where somebody sold a 49ers jacket and then a reseller was trying to upsell it. Yep. Right. But happens. This guy was happy. He made his cash. He might've paid maybe two bucks for this jacket. Cause it was at a garage sale and the person, you know, broken zipper and everything. And they're probably like, ah, I got to get rid of this. Yeah. He was like, I got to get rid of this. I, don't, I can't list this on eBay. 
I see an opportunity. I take advantage of the unfair advantage to the opportunity. And now it's a win-win for me. So just something to think about. I like it. Now I do want to share an emotional buy that I had. Yeah. So I went to our honey hole. Okay. Like the honey hole. Uh-huh. It's funny because people comment like, we want to know where that is, but it shifts sometimes for us. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the goodwill and Santee. Oops. <laughs> Whoa. Did you just say that store? Oh man. Can we censor that? Like, dude. All right. No, that, that place, man. Anyways. All right. So I go to the store and I see this, this blanket. Like I see it and I see this guy with his hands on it. And I'm like, that is a grail item. Like don't buy it. And I go and you know, in this place, like only so many people are allowed in a certain section at a time. So I go in there and I see the guy put it down. So I grab it and he's like looking at me. So I put it back down. I'm like, are you, are you not done with these? Like, I'm not done with it. I'm like, all right, put it back down. Then he asked one of the employees to like, hold it up. So he's like taking pictures of it. In my mind, I'm like, is this dude listing this blanket like in the store? That's a way to rub it in. Right. So I'm like, what is going on here? So I'm there and I'm like fake looking at stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like in that corner. So I'm yep. looking at like all these things I would never buy. I'm just, I'm waiting for the guy to walk away. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And the guy goes, it's a nice blanket, huh? I'm like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> like I'm acting like I don't care about it, but he knows, like he knows. And eventually like I, he's on the phone. He's like, Hey, do you think it's worth picking this up? I'm like, Oh man. Like, dude, you don't know. Like, just go like don't don't call people just if you don't know you don't know like you have a phone like research you know so finally he leaves and now i'm like okay i don't know what to do like is this thing on hold or not so i asked the employees and they're like oh no he he had to go somewhere but he didn't ask us to put it on hold i'm like all right i'm buying this right now so i paid 80 dollars for this pendleton blanket sweet jacket I mean, not jacket. Sorry. Jacket. Blanket. Sorry. Sorry. Blanket. Sorry. Blanket. $80 for this Pendleton blanket. It's bright green. It has like Native American patterns on it. It's pretty awesome. So it's kind of funny because I'm already knowing that. I, I made, didn't even know that was a bolo. Well, they are. I mean, the the right kind, like they, they, they're money. So notice what I said, the right kind. So I'm all pumped about it. I'm like, yeah, it's a grail item because I've always wanted to get a Pendleton blanket. I go to my car and I, I DM college picker, Eric, you know, cause he had, I don't know if you remember, but he has a Pendleton blanket, but he hasn't sold his. And I'm just like, Hey, so just wondering, you know, what are your thoughts on this one? Cause I couldn't find comps. Like some were selling for like a hundred, 200, some were selling for 500. And, uh, I, I had, a, I started getting a feeling already that I made an emotional buy. Yeah. So the guy who used the phone was actually doing research that you weren't doing. That, that's very possible. Like that's probably 99% you made this, possible. You made this comment where he said, you have a phone, just do the research. Like he called somebody and asked like, how much more research can you do? <laughs> I'm just laughing because yeah, I mean, it, it's emotions got the best of me. What can I tell you? So I guess it's, and it, it's a beautiful blanket. So Eric kind of like very nicely goes, you you probably at the least double your money on it, right? Which, you know, I can't read through Eric's text, but I'm pretty sure he's like, that was an emotional buy. So, so here's what's awesome. When you share things on Instagram, one, we've sold, uh, we've sold some stuff on Instagram 
Oh, I've sold some stuff on Instagram that I show on the stories and, you know, no fees, nothing like, and people get what they want. The other thing is people share their information. So somebody right away DMs me and goes, Hey, this is what the pattern is on this. Mm. Like, that's awesome. Like I didn't even have to research. So I researched the pattern. I'm like, Oh, well, I knew it wasn't vintage, but it really isn't vintage. Like Overstock.com is selling this same blanket. For 25 bucks. No, 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 no. No, here's the beauty of it. So I paid 80. They're selling it for $270. Or like 260 something, I think. I don't know. Maybe my number's off. So I'm like, hey, I can it's it's almost brand new. I can list it for $200. I'm still gonna make money on it. But it was a lesson to me again. To like, even it's a grill item, like not to get emotional about stuff because yeah. I had a, I had a buy like that today too. No, you did not quite that extreme, but yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm still going to, I'm still going to sell it. I'm still going to, I'm going to aim high and we'll see what happens. And I'll report back later. Maybe it'll be a hustle of the week, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I doubt it'll be that, but you know, I'm glad you're optimistic. You, you never know. Yeah. I yep. might be right. You're probably not. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Anyways, I wanted to share that because there's this strange psychological FOMO moment when somebody has something in their hands that you want. Mm. And then when you get it, you're like, uh, who's the guy from the the Lord of the Rings? Gollum? Mm. Is it Gollum? Yeah. Yeah. Like, my precious. Like, you don't want to let it go. Like, no matter how much it's damaging you, like, you don't want to let it go. That's why if you ever are doing a garage sale or you're doing a, uh, a swap meet, stall or flea market or whatever go in a pair you and a friend partner spouse whatever and have one of you act like a customer and as you see someone looking at stuff have the other one like how much is this can i create that sense of urgency but the whole time you just act like a customer i wonder what the other stalls would think like what is this <laughs> all day long okay all right well anyway i mean because i mean you could get scammed like that right like no, not you scammed but like like that emotional driven because i mean my brother-in-law. No, like, no. You know what? That's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like back in the day with eBay, people used to do shilling. You know what that is? Where people would like, I remember yeah. in college, my buddies, we'd be like, hey, Rolando, can you bid on this? And I'll bid on this and you bid on yeah. it. And we'll drive the price up. Bid it up. It's not the same, but it's kind of the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, my brother-in-law years ago, before I started reselling, um, he sells a lot of stuff on Craigslist and I had a motorcycle, uh, like a Ninja that I had um, it had some damage on it. So I was trying to get rid of it and it wasn't, I didn't want to, I didn't have the time to like list it and deal with people. So he's like, Hey, just bring it down to my house. I'll list it on Craigslist. I'll sell it right away. Right. So he texts me. He's like, Hey, will you accept this much? And it was pretty good price. Like it was like what I was asking for. Like, I don't know, like 6,000 or something like that. 5,000. I don't remember the exact number. He's like, this guy wants to buy it. Will you take this price? I was like, yeah, sure. Anyways, he messaged me back like that night and he's like, all right, I got you an extra 800 bucks. And I was like, what? Like, how, how did you, how did you do that? Like, I thought he was buying it at this price. He's like, yeah, but when he was on his way, I actually called him and told him somebody else is coming and offered me $400 or $500 more. And he said, so I just told him like, sorry. And then like, he offered the more. And I was like, what if you would have said no? He's like, well, then I don't know. Like, <laughs> I guess. But I'm telling you, FOMO is real. Yeah. Like, it is, it is a tactical advantage. So, all right. So anyways, there, you know, I always like sharing my failures. But it's going to be a win. All right. Are we ready for current topics? Do you have a sound effect for this? Um, oh, you, you want to pull up the sound effect. I got, I got to pull it up. I don't have it yet. Okay. All right. Well. You go ahead and start your current topics and then we'll break into it. Okay. Maybe not. That's well, probably no, a bad idea. Well, no, no, okay. Let's, let's, let's do something light. And then 
Well, we're going to get heavy for a little bit here on the podcast. Ooh. Late night. It is late. It late is night really. talks with Pure Earth Podcast. All right. So, sale taxes. We'll keep it light with sales taxes. So, hey, check your, you know, your check if eBay is collecting taxes for your state, like your sales taxes. You mean they're not? Oh, no. That's breaking news. What? That was great, Mike. Thank you. I should have had that queued up. Breaking. Check your sales tax. Money. Government's taking it. Taxes. IRS. It's happening. All right. So the reason I say that is because I had an interesting discussion. So people had DM me because they know we're in California. And in California, if you have a seller's permit, you have to pay sales tax. And it's it's super confusing. Like even though I have GoDaddy bookkeeping, like my GoDaddy bookkeeping number that I had collecting in sales tax did not match what the state of California believed I had to pay. Super mm-hmm. annoying. Like it was off by like 200 bucks. Or no, it was a hundred off by $120. But I paid it because I'd rather pay more than pay less and then come after me. Because I've had that happen before. You've had you've had them come after you? Yeah, like send me a bill, like, oh, you owe this much money still. Mm-hmm. And it's like do I really want to battle this? Like, I'm just going to pay it. I know that's how the government wins. I'm sorry. So, you know, I called the the franchise tax board and they basically said, Hey, this next year, you don't have to enter because there was an issue with, I was trying to enter certain numbers. And what it was is if I put a decimal point and a number after it, it doesn't register it. I wish they put that in the directions. Right. Like I spent 15 minutes going, well, I, why, why want this to be accepted? I call them. They're like, Oh yeah, you need to have a zero instead of a two there. That's all it took. So, but they said, hey, next year, you won't have to worry about this at all. I'm I'm like, what do you mean? And they said, well, eBay's taking care of it. So it's good that they knew that. And they said, hey, actually, eBay has been taking care of stuff in California since October 1st. So you're good, you know, this whole next year. And, you know, you're only, you you don't owe us anything because eBay and Amazon both collecting taxes. And I thought, it's pretty nice. Like, I appreciate that. So just something to think about. Maybe you're not aware, you know, maybe you're like me and you really don't like thinking about taxes. Like, I will tell you, this is one part of reselling that I purposely ignore mm. when until I have to pay. And then I get into the details and da, 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 da. But, you know, look at each state, but it's not just not California. We've talked about this before and we said that this was part of the fall seller update, but in case you forgot, like if you're worrying about tracking sales tax and all that, like it's something you don't have to worry about anymore, but it all depends on what state you're in. So, you know, Google eBay remit taxes or something that affect that'll take you to a page that will help you out. Okay. Let's talk about something serious. Let's do it. All right. I want to talk about, the morality of reselling. All right. Or is there a morality to reselling? It sounds serious. Okay. Now, I was kind of timid about sharing this on the podcast because this can get pretty, you know, controversial. It could get pretty tense. Uh, we could get canceled, meaning that people will Ooh. not listen to our should, podcast should we, anymore. Should we talk about it? Like, what is... Yeah, because I want to keep it real. Like, I, I think it's 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 something that people in the community reached out to us and wanted to know what we thought about it, wanted to know what I thought about it. And uh, it's complicated. And the reason I say that is, um, you all know, obviously you all know, uh, Kobe Bryant died suddenly in, mm. in a terrible helicopter crash along with his daughter, Gianna. And I got to say, Mike, uh, it hit me a lot harder than I anticipated. Uh, and, and I think that what, what 
hit me was, and I shared this on Instagram was, you know, it's, it was around the 11 something and I hear this cha-ching on my phone mm. and I'm like, oh, sweet, a sale. And I look and I'm like, oh, wow, I sold a Kobe Bryant jersey for full price. And that, that jersey had been selling, you know, sitting there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like an Adidas one. It was a champion one, but it wasn't like one of the ones that sell for a lot of money. And I'm like, awesome. I made a sale. And I'm like, huh, I wonder like what's going on? Like, why did this sell, you know, full price, you know, cause usually like things begin to sell like that when something happens. Right. So I go and, and I look and I see, you know, Kobe Bryant's face on Instagram. I'm like, Hey, maybe he came out of retirement or maybe, right. maybe he bought a team something or maybe big, yeah. something big. And it's, no, it's because Kobe Bryant died. And and that hit me, the sudden shock hit me hard. It hit me hard that as a father and, you know, he was a husband. And at one time I was one too. And I have kids and and all that just hit me really hard. Like I, I put myself in those shoes about how, how how terrible that this thing happened. Like, it, and the fact that he's 41 and I'm 40 and... No. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things that hit like a lot of people is like one, there's the relatability of like, what well, he's a young guy, right? Like he's got a lot of life ahead of him. He's very successful. Uh, he's done so many great things. And it really causes a lot of people to sit and think like, wow, like anything could happen at any time, right? It's anybody like you, you start to reflect on yourself. You start to, you know, you look at, at, at someone's life like this, who's, who's gone through this and you, you, you do, you have empathy for the family and think of what, what they must be going through. You think of you know, all of the the great things he's accomplished in the world of sports and 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 just the world, all the, the lives he's touched, you know, and it's like, yeah, you think of that and 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 it is, it's it's sudden and it's shocking. And I think I don't think it was just you. I think like a lot of people in the world just kind of like they they take it something like this and it because it's so unexpected, but because it's so I don't I mean the relatable is not the right word, but we can all put ourselves in that position, right? Like it's mm-hmm. all like when you hear of somebody older, because that, that's one thing too, is I, I remember like growing up as a kid, you'd hear of like actors and actresses, like your parents be like, oh, so-and-so died. Like they were an actor. It, they were really big when I was young, right? And you're like, yeah, you know, they've gotten old and it's that time and we've gone through a few of those. But when it's somebody who's so young with so much life, not only do you feel for him and his family and all of those that are close to him, but like it does cause you to like reflect on where you're at in your own life and just, I mean... Yeah, it's it's very impactful and powerful for sure. So it was rough. And, you know, understanding that here's a person who was creating another portion of the legacy besides being a basketball legend and one of the, and some would argue maybe the best basketball player of all time or at least one of the best. There's another legacy that he was establishing after his NBA career and that was cut short, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, just, it's just brutal. It was tough. and. You know, when I sold that jersey, I struggled with it. And, I, you know, we instantly posted on Instagram that sales don't matter. Like if if I could just take back all the sales of jerseys to have Kobe Bryant back with his family, to have his daughter back, to have all the people that died in that helicopter crash along with Kobe and Gianna. And, and you know, it, we, it would I would give it all back to have all that. And so I'm like, sales don't matter. And, you know, within hours there's a huge debate that began to ensue right in the reselling community. And to me, it was an important de- debate because it says that the reselling community has a soul, right? Because, you know, when things like this happen, when tragedies like this happen, unfortunately there's business opportunities and 
I'm not here when I think Mike and I, Mike and I talked about it before the podcast. Cause we kind of were like, do we really want to talk about this? Right. Because we may say something and people may take it the wrong way. So we want to be super careful because we really don't have an answer. I think it's really calm. It, it's, it's not a right or wrong. I think topic. I don't know. Can I ask you, what do you think? Do you think there's a right or wrong here? No, I mean like with so many things, it's, it's, and I hate to be the kind of person that's like, oh, it's a gray area, but it's tough because the reality is, one, I'm like a free market kind of person and and just the way things work, supply and demand are always going to regulate prices, right? And so you can't blame the prices and emotions. Like You kind of almost have to separate those things, right? So when this happened, a lot of people wanted to buy his stuff. Do we blame the pe- the people who are purchasing stuff? Like you didn't want the jersey, now you do, but like they're doing it because they want to like remember him and support him, right? So there's good motives there, and so the people trying to supply those people with those things. So I don't think I don't think most people have a negative intention or like, ha! I'm so glad that this has happened, right? Like I I highly doubt there's anybody with that. Now I'm sure there are. I mean, right? But, but to be real, I mean there there are evil people in the world. Right. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's if you were to probably number the number of people who are probably like literally rejoicing because they were able to make money off of merchandise and not like, hey, I'm really glad that I've been able to make some money because I mean you, you don't know other people's situations. Like like maybe it's like, hey, I needed to be able to make you know ends meet this month and to be able to pay some bills and like now I can do that because of these sales that have come through. Um just like you, I mean, making that sale on that jersey. You can be happy about income coming in without being happy about the reason that income came. No, and that that's what I wanted to bring about that it it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough topic. You know, I I go back to what one of the few books I read when I was in high school, Les Miserables, mm. right? And there's a, and those of you that have read it, maybe you can resonate or you watched the movie. But John Valjean, right? He ends up in prison what nineteen years, mm-hmm. right? Because he stole bread, right, to help out his I think I believe it was his nephew, right? I think so. All right, anyways. But anyways, he stole bread for people to eat. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's a, that's a moral dilemma there, right? Like, should he have gone to prison? He was only trying to help out his family. Right. And now this isn't the same, like people aren't committing crimes. Right. But at the same time, you know, it's funny because LA times had this uh, article right away about around the Staples center, people like within hours had t-shirts, rest in peace, Kobe t-shirts that they were selling. I don't know if you ever gone to a concert, but you know, there's the concert t-shirts. Yeah. And outside, there's the fake concert t-shirts, right? right. And a lot of people like buying the fake ones because mm-hmm. it's like it's the same. So people were, some people would argue explaining the situation. To me, I couldn't do it. Like, I cannot be out there selling those shirts. But here's but here's the thing. I, I, I agree. Like, I think, I think in a lot of ways, we can, it's really easy to look at somebody who's, you know, doing that and saying like, wow, they're exploiting this situation. And, and there are probably many who are that are like that. I don't want to say they are exploiting, but there are those who can do things like that for negative intentions. And we can say like, Hey, it stinks that people are making money off of a tragedy, but at the same time, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I don't think there's like, like I said, like there's not, this is not a clear answer. Like I'm not saying either way, but like, imagine if you were to walk around with a shirt that said, rest in peace, Kobe, because you wanted to like show your support for him and his family. And you wanted to get together with friends and like, you went to, to some memorial thing for him. Like, would you look at all the people wearing the rest in peace Kobe shirts and say like, like, I can't believe they bought those shirts. 
Probably not, right? Like you look at those people and say, like, wow, like I'm and that's so, why it's so complicated. Exactly. So, but like if if somebody wasn't out there selling those shirts, they wouldn't have them, right? Like so there, there's that like in between, like at what point is it like you can't do you point the finger at the people selling it, or do you say like they're actually providing a service for people who want to like do this good thing and like support and like it's so tough. You know what I mean? Like there, there's going to be people in any situation that are going to have like, like negative and intentionally cruel, like reasons and purposes. But at the same time, you know, I don't know. Well, the, the whole thing is tough too, because not only did you have that aspect of it, but you had the other aspect where, you know, it's funny because Nike, like a lot of people were trying to buy Nike stuff and then Nike said, Hey, they can't sell it. And then some news Outlets were saying, well, Nike decided not to sell the stuff anymore. And a lot of people saw that Nike was taking a stance of not selling because of what happened. Then it comes out that, no, it's Nike actually ran out of stuff. Mm. Right. And so they didn't have any more in stock. Right. And so chances that Nike are going to restock soon are probably pretty high. Right. Right. Because there's that. And then, you know, I look at kind of like the LA Times, they're selling a special edition uh, Kobe newspaper. Like mm. it's, it's kind of, it's just weird. The whole thing's weird. And so, you know, one of, uh, I would say one of my good reselling friends in the area, like was selling jerseys. Right. And, and they sold before he ever was able to, before he knew what was going on. Right. Right. And he, he's like, Hey, I don't know what to do. And other people were DMing me like, I, I I'm, I'm really torn here. Like, I, I don't know what to do. And so I kind of landed in this place that on this one, you, you have to like do what, on this, like you're you're comfortable with what what feels right to, which sounds kind of weird for me to say that because I'm not very much about that. But in this situation, like you have a family too, like mm-hmm. you said, right? And you're trying to provide for your family. And you don't have any Ill, Ill intentions, and and you know, I would say I have seen some. Like I I saw something on Instagram. Somebody was trying to sell some Kobe rookie card that was only worth thirty dollars for like twenty five hundred dollars on mm-hmm. offer up or whatever. And I thought, no, that's that's terrible. Like I, 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 to me, that was terrible. Right. But you know, there are others that, Hey, like 25% of their stuff was Kobe Bryant stuff. Like they do this full time. Like they got to make a living. Like if there's a time to sell, the time is now. Right. And that's the thing we don't know. Like are the people that are buying this, did they wake up and go, wait, we want to have something that's a part of history. That's a part of who Kobe was. Like we're willing to pay. Like I thought about myself. Like I think about, you know, let's say, you know, I was a I was a Kobe Bryant fan, but I grew up a Warriors fan, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, other basketball players like that, you know, I would have been different about if it was a 49 or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I would have gone like, I don't have that jersey. Like I'm willing to pay two to three hundred dollars for that jersey because I don't know if I'll ever have an opportunity to get that jersey that was made at that time again. Right. Right. So I struggled with that because there's so many unknowns, but what what I saw in the reselling community was, I don't know, was very inspiring to me because resellers get a bad rap about, and, and it's getting better, but they get a bad rap about, you know, we're all about exploiting and, you know, we're about price gouging and we're about, you know, the, we don't care. And that, it, I mean, you hear that still today. But, you know, I, I look at, uh, you know, shout out to Glenn Hustler Hacks. He does this uh, episode on, on Sunday, a live episode. And he talked about like he, he can't sell his stuff and he has good stuff. Like he has 
all kinds of Kobe rookie cards. He has all kinds of jerseys. He has all kinds of shoes. He has some cool memorabilia. And he's just like, I, I just can't do it. Right. And I thought, yeah, I get it. Like if I, I get it, like if, if somebody was very important and special and this thing was so devastating, like, yeah, I get yeah. it. And then on top of that, on his show, he had people live like talk about what Kobe meant and the stuff that they actually collected. That was Kobe Bryant stuff. And I go, that, that's that, like that was very I don't know, heartwarming or, or like it was it was a good moment. Right. And then there were others that were like, hey, I have this stuff. It's been sitting. I need to provide for my family. You know, the the time is now for me to sell this stuff. Right. It's such a such a complicated topic. Now, there's the other side of recently. I know I'm going on long mic here, so jump in whenever you want. I'm sorry. I just I'm very passionate about this. You know, people are selling like these virus for like I mean, they're not selling the virus. They're selling the masks because of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And some people are making a killing on it. Right. And so is that exploiting? I don't know. See, and, because where do people where would people get that item right. from? And that that's you know? that's where I usually land. And again, like I'm not a heartless person. Like I, I don't want anybody to come across like to think of me like when I say like this, whether it's with the Kobe thing or with the coronavirus, like, hey, like just make as much money as you want, find ways to like rip people off. Like that is not me no, at all. Like I'm not, not that person. Uh, but like realistically, like again, like that's one I I'm firm believer and of course prices fluctuate and there's times when things are wrong but like the idea of price gouging is something that doesn't make sense to me because people pay what some what they're willing to pay for it right mm -hmm. and there's in our day and age like if if there was only one source like one store that sold food or one you know what i mean and they could charge whatever they want i, I could see that maybe as being considered price gouging but like even like the example that often gets used like if there's a hurricane in a community and there's no water there and then people come in and they start bringing in gallons of water and they're selling gallons of water for $10 a gallon. And people are like, that's crazy. Like they're, they're ripping those people off. But the reality is, and I know that like I, on just the face level, that's what that sounds like, right? That those people are going in and ripping people off of, you know, it, it's water. They should be giving it for free. But the reality is people in those areas and hurricanes tend to get the need, their needs met quicker by people going in because there's profit than from the aid that comes in from like Red Cross and those things. When that aid gets there, it's great. But honestly, and we all know this in our own life, money motivates. And so because there's people willing to pay $10, people are bringing water. And so now an area that had no water at all, all of a sudden has an influx of water coming in because people are traveling across state borders to get water into this place because they want to make money. Whereas there was no water. Whereas if you were to say like, no, you can't sell any water. And there've been, they've, there's, there's history to prove this. Places have at times said, no, you can't charge more than this for this item that's in need. Nobody comes in with it. And so those people end up don't getting that thing at all. Right. And so like, I think about that with like the coronavirus masks. I mean, I don't actually even know what's going on with the uh, people selling the masks, but I can imagine if there's a need for this and people want it, if they're not being given out by f for free or people aren't producing them and giving them away as charity, and maybe they are at some point in a month from now, there'll be enough of them freely available to people. But if there wasn't profit, people wouldn't be making them. And if these people weren't making them, people who needed them wouldn't be getting them, right? Like everybody's motivated. Like you say, with like the baker, the baker doesn't make bread out of the goodness of his heart. He makes it to, to pay for, to yeah. provide for his family. No, I get that. Adam Smith voted that. But it, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's, it's all a struggle because there's, there's a, mm, 
it's it's so hard because this whole reselling thing is kind of strange. Like, you know, when Prince died, like no one was outraged that people were like selling Prince stuff for a lot of money, right? Because maybe because Prince had lived a full life mm-hmm. and maybe he didn't make, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, say who made a bigger impact, but the impact was different than Kobe's. Right. And so, you know, I think right now they're up for auction is a uh, a check for Lee Harvey Oswald at the Texas, Texas School Book Depository. And if you don't know who Lee Harvey Oswald was, uh, he was the guy that assassinated and killed John F. Kennedy. And, you know, that's going up. It's supposed to go for thousands. And I'm like, whoa, like this is somebody who killed an individual, killed the president of the United States. And yet, like, we're, could you, is it exploiting or is it not exploiting? You know, it, it's. It's a tough one. So this is where I where I land on all this, and I think the hurricane scenario is a whole different scenario. Um, but but uh, well, the reason I mentioned that was the connection to like coronavirus masks. No, no, no. I get that. I get that. No, no. I get that. And, like nothing to do with Kobe, but like yeah. with the explosion, like for. And again, I don't know enough about this situation. I don't. Maybe I'm like totally off, and there's something going on here that like I don't know about, and there's some people doing really cruel stuff. But like, if there is literally like, hey somebody needs masks for this coronavirus and like I can make them and it's going to cost me a bunch of money to make them. And I'm going to have to like create this plan and and set up this machine. And I wasn't planning on making these, but I can make these. But in order to make it worth my time, I'm going to have to be able to make some money off of it. Or I could say, you know what? I don't want to have to charge them the money that would cost for it to be worthwhile. So I'm not going to make the masks. No, no, no. no. I, I agree with you on that. No, I agree with that. And, and I think, yeah, they are two different, different situations. Right. But that, what I want to say is, and when it comes to reselling, whether it's the mask or whether it's Lee Harvey Oswald's check or what it is, I, I think you, you you have to land in a place where you can, I guess, sleep at night. You know, I I would say my myself, like I it's funny because I I thought about it. Like, what if I had a hundred Kobe jerseys? And I could have sold them for whatever. They're going $300, right? Some people had shoes, some Kobe Bryant shoes on StockX that jumped from 200 to 1200 right? And, you know, they had bills to pay. Like, that's, that's a tough one. Like, I, I think you have to figure out on your own what you're able to go to bed and sleep and go, you know what? I honored the family. I'm, I'm you know, helping someone or, you know what? this just doesn't feel right and I can't do it. But, and I would say you got to be careful to judge because you don't know people's stories. Um, there are certain people I know that this, they were in a slump and business was bad. And, you know, un- unfortunately this is how the sales happened and now their family's doing okay, you know? And so I don't know, but this is what I said. This is going to be complicated. I just wanted to flesh this out and have a discussion for you guys, our listeners, to think about because ultimately, you know, the, we're going to be at this crossroads again. Somebody else that we dearly love is is going to pass away or is going to suddenly die. And and again, the market's going to fluctuate and we're going to come to this question. But the good in all of this, and I'll repeat this just one last time, is that the reselling community has a soul and it, it was great to see people having this discussion and people deciding, hey, I can't do this, or people saying, I can do this, but it has nothing to do with the tragedy that happened. It has to do instead, I have my family too. So just a hard place. Hopefully you'll still continue to listen to us after we had this discussion. Appreciate you all. We just want to be real. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's really hard to move on from that. So 
I uh, just, you know, prayers to the, you know, the Brian family uh, from this point forward. All right. EB Open is not happening. We were so wrong in our life. Like we failed at that. Like I was like, yeah, this is a pretty safe, like I'm, I'm going to stake like, you know, my reputation on the fact that there's probably going to be eBay open. And we were wrong. How? Like how, how? Like I love eBay, but to me of all the times not to have an eBay open, like I just, I'm not understanding. Now I will, let me, let me read what they said about why they're not doing it. I'm just going to read it real quick. I know you hate it when I read stuff. I hate it when I read stuff. But they said this year marks eBay's 25th anniversary. What it, the next line should have said in celebration of that, we're discounting costs to eBay open because we want to make this the biggest celebration ever. But that's not what it says. Instead, it says, as our business has evolved, our focus has too. Our sellers are spread across all corners of the US. And in 2020, we're committed to making it easier to connect with each other and with us. Rather than hosting eBay open and asking you to take time away from your business, which it would take away time no matter what you did. Mm. This year, we're hitting the road to meet you in your neighborhoods. We're now providing more ways for sellers to connect with one another and eBay employees. I'm excited to announce a number of new opportunities to just do that. And by the way, this is our friend, Alan, that wrote this, mm -hmm. from, you know, who interviewed us. So we love you, Alan. This, I, this is not a reflection of you at all. Okay. I know this is just eBay's corporate line. Mm -hmm. Like this is what eBay agreed upon. So they're doing eBay upfront, which out of nowhere, they dropped all these dates. Unfortunately, there's no SoCal. Oh, bummer. But we're having a Pure Russell podcast meetup in March. Yeah. So stay tuned for the details. Let's it'll make be, this. It'll be reseller open. <laughs> it'll be Brought to you by Pure Hustle podcast. SoCal. So be there because we want to make this the biggest reselling event in Southern California. So how about, how about we just go like the whole West Coast? Yeah, whole West Coast. Yeah, well, okay, but we, 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 we're resellers. Like, I don't have the. I, I wish I could do a, like a circuit like tour of the no, West no, Coast. No, no, no. I'm not saying we do the whole, but we'll make this the biggest in the West Coast. Yes, let's do it. West Coast. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. So, where do we draw the line? Like West Coast. West. No, this just, is just like, California. We like, got peeps in Alaska. So that, I mean, yeah, they're West Coast. Well, we'll count them as West Coast. Yeah. Allison, you're North, welcome to Northwest Coast. We're, you're welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast Open. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. PHP Open. PHP Open. All right. So they're also doing seller visits. They're doing seller town halls. You know, our, our, the guy that, you know, Harry Temkin, I love that guy. So it'll be mm -hmm. nice. Hopefully we'll get to see him. I haven't met uh, Jordan Sweetnam, who's the, I think he's the interim CEO at the, mm -hmm. at the moment. Or maybe, no, he's not the interim CEO. That's somebody else. But, He's another important guy at eBay. I honestly, I see this like I loved eBay Open. Um, even while I was there, um, there were things that I saw that was like PHP. That's right. Um, if you're wondering on the podcast what happened, I dropped the cup. That's it, all. It's all right. It's all good. Um, yeah, I uh, it, I knew there was benefit for for eBay, like especially like marketing wise, the way they were doing things, having you know different people who are on YouTube and things like that, like their recording stuff like they had a, a huge it was it was great marketing for them so but realistically like on the bottom line it was probably a huge cost because all that was provided there and the cost of the tickets weren't that bad so like they had to have been like breaking even at best on that but it was kind of like just like marketing opportunity whereas their new model and, and honestly conferences like that are still i kind of look at them as maybe a little old-fashioned let me rewind this though to reseller topics from a month ago 
eBay sold StubHub for four billion dollars that was added to their war chest. Yeah, but that is insane. Yeah, but that isn't that isn't. But if same. But just because you have more money, like when you do your budget, you don't say like, "Hey, this thing that we do is like causing us to lose money." But hey, I got a raise, so I'm going to keep doing that thing. But it's a PR thing. It, like it, it's well, marketing. It, it is. But if they're spinning this with the with the eBay upfront, which is really what they're doing, I'm not saying they're spinning it in a bad way, but like they're shifting. And I think. I think there's going to be a year or two where there's going to be friction where people loved the eBay open because there were so many awesome things that happened there that they're just not going to be able to replicate in an upfront. Whereas upfront might be able to provide some things that the eBay open experience didn't. It's just going to be two different things. But upfront, like, okay, so uh, uh, let's be real here. Like we do the Pure Podcast meetup in SoCal, right? Chances that we'll meet everybody that we would have met at eBay upfront if they did one in LA are probably pretty high, right? I mean, we had... we. We didn't have as many people as eBay Upfront had at our Pure as a Podcast meetup last year, but we had a decent number, right? Right, And I, I anticipate, hopefully, we'll have a bigger number this year. But the idea, I think, behind eBay Upfront is more than just, because I know it's a, like, hey, you know, meet other sellers, but like, there's supposed to be an experience that comes from it, like having eBay employees there, having, like, getting to hear from a VP, yeah, getting but, to hear. Well, I get it, but- We yeah. all know the best experience at eBay Open was the networking. Well, that's true from an experience wise, but like what I'm seeing and what I'm thinking, and I know Poshmark has a big event too, but I kind of see them like using the Poshmark model of like small Poshmark type parties, this eBay up front. Notice local. what you said. They still have the big event. Well, they do, but it was it like eBay open? I don't know. Yeah, it's networking. I mean, it was actually more networking. I mean, I, I haven't gone personally, but I know from others have gone. It's time to mention. So quick, ship quick. Uh, you know, the, it, it wasn't, they didn't have as many like opportunities as eBay cause they're not as big as eBay, but it was a place you got to mingle with people and talk to people. And what I'm going to miss is, for example, there's a lot of other resellers that we met that we would have never met. This is what I was going back to my point. Like if we did, you know, if they did, if we do our Purosa podcast meetup, which we're doing right, we may have met the same people we would have met at eBay upfront. But if you do eBay open, like think of, you know, I think of pro solo flipper. I think of Portland pickers. I think of like, I'm just throwing, you know, Lindy Glenn. I'm thinking of, you know, Mark, Meyer. I'm thinking of all these, you know, I'm just throwing random names out there of people that are East coast or central or Midwest that we never would have met. And now people that were looking forward to eBay open, aren't going to be able to meet those people. And maybe they already know the people that are local. You know what I mean? And I know eBay's, their goal is to bring eBay to people, right? To do right. the town halls and to, I, and I get that. But, you know, when you went to, when you still go to teacher convention, what's the best part of the teacher convention? Yeah, I think, I think, I think teacher's convention and eBay open are two very different things though. Cause teacher's convention is like work. Yeah. I but think, it's a camaraderie, right? What you walk away with. Well, no, that's true. But like you go there thinking like, this is a bummer that I have to go do this thing, but at least I get to hang out with people. Whereas eBay open is like a mini vacation, not just because the people you get to <laughs> hang out with, which was just cool, yeah. but because I'm in a hotel in Vegas doing the Vegas thing with a ton of food that's included in my, my, my ticket here. There's entertainment, there's parties, there's all this stuff. Part of my ticket. It's like a, it's like going on a cruise, but like focused on eBay. It's like something like that. Right? Like, so it's more than just like, Hey, you've got to do this thing for work. And, but hey, the good part is you get to hang out with people. Like eBay Open was more than that. So I think you can't really compare the two exactly like that because it's true. It's going to be a bummer that we're missing out from that. But that, what I would say, would be the part that we would say, like, hey, yeah, the best part was getting to hang out and meet other people. 
but the draw isn't that like eBay isn't putting on this, like come to this huge event that we're doing so you can socialize. Like the draw is like that, that might be an aspect, but we are going to give you workshops. We're going to give you food. We're going to give you entertainment. We're going to give you this. We're going to, it was a whole lot to of socializing. I don't know. I'm telling you, like everything was, I mean, think about how many moments they had food in one general area because they wanted people to sit together. Like that's just a conference though. Yeah. But that's the strength. Like I just found it as a strength. I, I, I just, I just struggle. I, I thought of all the times, like this would be a time I, I just, I really, and I really will love, and you know, we're, we're nobodies, but I, I would love it if eBay just reversed course on this one. I really, I really would. It's not going to happen this year. That's for sure. I, I really would. Who knows? Who knows? I have, I have hope because it's not going to happen this year. Who knows? Who knows? You're crazy. I am crazy, but you know, hey, maybe, maybe they'll reverse course and make it free for everybody. No, 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 and- no. But see, that, that's, that, that is crazy. Me asking to reverse course. I mean, it's only, it's only February. There, there's time. And maybe, you know, they they were going to lose money because maybe they already had a contract and they had to get out of the contract. You know, I don't know. It, to me, it's just, it's just, I, I wanted to meet a lot of people that I wouldn't have been able to meet that were on the East Coast, that were in the Midwest. And, and now, you know, the, that opportunity isn't there. Right. And, and I don't know. It was just, it was, just, it's a, it was energizing. Like, you know, even though like some of the stuff that, you know, was talked about, we're like, eh, you know, like pay-per-click, we walked out of there. We're like, ah, eh. but man, like having a CEO up front, like being energized and being pumped and having other eBay people at the keynote talking about this is what we're going to do. Like, that was great. Like, I loved that. And walking out of there, like, yeah, I can't wait to get back home. I can't wait to implement new things. And, and, you know, you go, and I loved eBay up front, but it just wasn't the same energy just wasn't the same energy so anyways should i end my rant now sure okay now here's a here's a bonus to us and i feel really bad here's another one so i was really concerned because one of the perks of going to ebay open was we had ebay concierge uh-huh. and the other day mary feel good finds on instagram she had posted that she was worried that you know how do you get concierge if you mm-hmm. don't go to ebay open well she called and they said well your grandfather didn't so I called eBay. I'm like, is that true? And I called. I'm like, hey, I'm really worried. Like, you know, because you only get. Should cons- we be like releasing this? Like, that sounds like pretty intense. Yeah. Well, I want others that are listening to the podcast that went to eBay Open and got concierge to know that like they don't have to stress anymore. Oh, man. Except for you might have opened a can of worms because a bunch of people are going to be calling saying, I didn't go. That's not fair. And then eBay might reverse <clears throat> course and say, I'm taking away this grandfather concierge because we've had. Or maybe they'll just do eBay Open. Oh, or maybe they'll open up concierge to other I, people. I'm going to tell you this. Like, I'm being selfish right now. But if you ruin eBay concierge grandfathered for me because you released this out there. And and and, and I'm sorry for all those of you who didn't go and didn't get it because that does. That's terrible. But you should have gone too, you know? No, you can't say that. I know. I know. Fair. That was messed that up. That is not That was fair. messed up. You're There's right. a lot of reasons people can't go or weren't able to go. I retract my comment. I ask for forgiveness. That's right. Yeah. So, right. but anyways. um, Yeah. Yeah. Can of worms, man. Can of worms. Yeah, but anyways, it's a tough one. It, this is what I mean. Like, just reverse course and just do eBay open, man. That's all I'm saying. For the people. For the people. I'm all for the people. Uh, but at the same time, it's for the people. But uh, remember when, uh, going back to our negotiation episode last time, 
you got a faculty meeting and the faculty's pointing at the admin saying, why are you making this decision? No. Well, clearly eBay has thought this through and maybe maybe this is a mistake, but- How can we make it happen? There we go. eBay. What is the reason this isn't happening? Is there anything the sellers can do to help uh, make this happen? That's that's a better way of putting it. Because we can't accuse them for like making a mistake. I mean, maybe no, it's a and, mistake. And listen, but. I've been in a position of administration and I've had to write stuff up and had to package it a certain way and make it because it was in the best interest overall. And I fully believed it was in the best, best interest, right? And maybe, you know, I don't have the knowledge and the foresight that those that made the decision had. And so I could have it all wrong. So reverse course, if possible, if not, you know. We still love you, eBay. I'm not, I'm not. How can we find ways to get more resellers together and celebrate eBay? That's what we want to do. We want to celebrate eBay. So um, how can, how can we be a part of making it so that we celebrate you, eBay? I think that was better. <laughs> do you think? I'm still worried about my comment about concierge. Yeah. Like I get it why people couldn't, couldn't go. People had shared that with me. So. I think it's fine. You're good. I know. I just, I, I love our listeners and you know, sometimes you say stupid stuff. Well, you didn't mean it like. No, I didn't. I didn't. But, you know, I don't know. <laughs> we we handled the whole morality of reselling really well. And then this is the one where I say something stupid. Like, seriously, you're fine. I don't think anybody. All right. Yeah, I care about you guys. That's all. I just care. And I care about all the people that have DM'd us and said, man, of all the times, like I wanted to go to eBay open and now I can't go. Right. And what if yeah. it's gone forever? Now we really can't go. Right, because there's a lot of people that last year were like, I wish I went. And now, anyways, all right. Anyways, check it out, eBay on the road. All right, uh, <clears throat> let's move on from there. Uh, we have no more reseller topics. Well, that's good, because then that means it's... Bolo! Bolo time. All right. Why don't you go first? I've 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 said too much. <laughs> Just said too much. So anyways, uh, Bolo, this one's, I don't know. I'm not even 100% sure how I feel about this one, but uh, I think it might be overlooked, at least in our part of the country. So, and, and uh, my stats might be wrong. It might, things might have changed recently, but I, I heard at one point, so again, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I heard at one point- We're apologizing a lot on this episode. That NASCAR is actually like the most- <clears throat> like popular sport in the United States or one of the most popular. I've heard that too. Or at least, at least like advertisement wise, like more money is poured into advertisement uh, in NASCAR than like any other sport, which says something because advertisers pour money where they think like it's going to have the biggest bang. So anyways, all that to say, like in Southern California, um, NASCAR is like not a thing. And it's really weird because I'm a Jimmy Johnson fan and I'm not even really a sports fan, but I, <laughs> I, I do like NASCAR um, to, to an extent. I watch several races a year. Um, and Jimmy Johnson has been my my driver for a long time, even before I moved to San Diego. And he's from San Diego, from a little town, El Cajon. I live like right by it. And it's so weird because he's like probably, arguably the best NASCAR driver of all time, still to this day. Like, it's just unbelievable how good he is. And like, nobody here cares. Like, if you that think about true. it, like almost nobody is like, like people could be really excited because like, Somebody who went to like a high school that was like there's a, a county over. What's that? There's a taqueria that cares. No, that's true. I mean, but like, yeah, because Jimmy Johnson does so much for for the his community, community too, yeah, right? Like, he pours tons of money into the El Cajon area. 
And but I just the reason I say people don't care is because NASCAR is just not big here. And I know there's parts of the country. There's probably some of our listeners that are like, "What are you talking about? Like NASCAR is everything. Like NASCAR is life, right?" But for at least for us, it's not, uh, which means that it's often overlooked for many people. Is it's like people think basketball, people think football, people think baseball, uh, but people don't think NASCAR. At least a lot of people in our area. So my bolo, the reason why this is a bolo is to maybe be thinking about NASCAR like now, like right now. Not now, but like right, right now is because we're about ready to have the Daytona 500 and NASCAR is a little weird because the Daytona 500 comes as one of the first races of the year and it's not really like the championship race, but it's like one of the most famous races. So it's like having the Super Bowl at the start of the season. So I want to add to your bolo. I wasn't even finished. Oh, sorry. Man, I'm just having a rough episode. It's all right. Um, I, I basically was finished. So anyways, I was going to say, now's the time. People are are, are really, if, if you're a NASCAR fan, people are starting to buy stuff on eBay and, and, you know, cause it's like, it's about to start. Things are about, so it's like having the start of the season and the Super Bowl all at the same time. So um, if you see uh, NASCAR stuff, maybe now's the time to pick it up. Of course, you got to do your research cause there's a lot of NASCAR junk out there, but you know, it might be a niche worth looking into. You said what I was going to say. There is a lot of NASCAR junk out there, yep. like a lot of it. So you have to be really careful. Like I would say NASCAR with anything Snap-on, probably valuable. NASCAR that says Chase on it, you do your research. So good. That's all I wanted to clarify. Yep. Yeah, of course. It's like anything. I mean, you can't just say like pick up anything like NFL related because, yeah, there's going to be off brands. They, they produce mass produce a bunch of junk and there's lots of stuff that's not. But yeah, I mean now's the time where like i mean jackets like nascar is really weird too because like they don't have like people wear jerseys right like people wear Mm -hmm. jerseys for different sports and stuff nascar it's like jackets i mean we we had a a teacher friend who like would always wear he was a jimmy johnson fan too and like every year if you won (laughs) if you won the championship if jimmy johnson won the championship there's like a new jacket that's made for like the championship jacket and so people will buy these really nice jackets that got all the sponsor stuff on and his number on it and stuff and they almost look like letterman jackets Mm -hmm. kind of um, and so like, if you can find those types of things, like the higher end NASCAR stuff, that stuff is worth money, especially even like vintage stuff. Um, I mean, my dad was really big into Dale Earnhardt kind of going back to the Kobe thing. Like I remember the race I was, my dad was watching the race where, where Dale Earnhardt, uh, was killed. And so that was like a devastating thing for my dad and for a lot of people. And of course my dad had tons of stuff. And even after that, most of the stuff was still not valuable because they just mass produce a lot of things. But my dad had one of those really nice jackets, right? And I think he still does. And so um, if you can find those types of vintage NASCAR things, even from old racers or, you know, current people, you know, there's money there. Oh, there is. What about you? What's your bolo? All right. So I, I haven't shared this much, but, uh, you know, I came across a nice haul today uh, when we were recording this on a Saturday. But, uh, you know, it's midnight right now. Oh my god! This is a long episode, but it's okay. We talked about good things. It's midnight. All right, Eric. Right. So it's all good though. We love you guys. This is why we do this. Yeah. So, uh, I picked up a bunch of signs. I don't know if you saw the IG story, but a bunch of signs of stores that no longer exist. Hmm. So like Robert Talbot. Um, there was a couple other brands, and then I picked up like a Rain Spooner sign, hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Now there was no comps, but in the past, so you always know about old signs, like, hey, pick up an old, you know, gas station sign or pick up an old, you know, whatever sign, right? You always know about the 50s and the porcelain signs, but you know what? Like 90s kind of store signs are money now. Hmm. 
I like I sold a guest sign. I paid a dollar. I paid I flipped it for like 35 bucks pretty fast. Probably could have made more money. And it was tiny. It literally was like the size of my cup. It wasn't that big. Or I sold, you know, uh, other brands like Cross Colors or I sold, you know, gas. I already said gas. I've sold, um, you know, like Reebok pump or, you know, the other day I saw somebody on Instagram had a Nike SB skateboard sign. Like you don't think about these signs, but they're, they're valuable because one, you, it's not something you can just go and buy somewhere. Right. Two is some of these stores are shut down. And so number one, it could be something that, you know, somebody that works for a corporation wants, or it could be something that, you know, they have a, they have a huge, let's say Hawaiian shirt collection and they want like that rain spooner signage to like, you know, mm. make their collection look really awesome. Right. So just something to think about, like, don't pass up on these signs because I went to this estate sale and like no one was touching these signs. It was like the second day. And I'm like, huh, how come no one touched these? And it's, they're going to sell now. Some of them are going to sell for more money. I've sold some like bike uh, signs, like, um, I, you know, like Trek or whatever mm -hmm. that you just can't buy. You know, you can't go anywhere. And I've sold them, you know, for over a hundred dollars at times. I sold a Kenwood speakers lighted sign. I picked it up for $5 at the store that shall not be named. And I flipped it for $125 plus shipping. Nice. So, you know, don't just think old signs. Think of what's trendy right now, like what people are wearing or, or gear. And if you see those signs, there might be somebody that wants to compliment their closet or they have, you know, one of the things I find a lot is car shows. If there's like certain car item signs like that Kenwood speaker sign or it could be snap on or it could be, you know, something related like they may want as part of their collection. So don't pass on those signs just because they're not old because now vintage 90s, 80s, it's cool. So something to think about. I like it. All right. What are you looking forward to here? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm looking forward to watching the Daytona 500. <laughs> okay. Now it's not reselling related. Um, you know, um, I'm excited for the new year. We just finished our taxes and, and it was a, it was an ordeal, right? Like trying to pull together all the stuff and we were pretty organized, but, um, this year, uh, we're doing GoDaddy, right? So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we had mileage last time, so that was nice, but like, we're going to try and do more. Um, so I'm excited about like starting the year, right? Like we're, we're already a month into January, but I feel like it's not too late to like really refine things and kind of get to a place where it's like, if you've made mistakes that you're like wanting to correct, correct them now, right? Like that's, oh, my, that's my advice. Yeah. So, um, so I'm excited to like get things set up because I know it's always rough at first, like try new things and to like, okay, now we have to implement things into this spreadsheet instead of this spreadsheet and doing things a little different. But like last year we learned, we learned from mistakes, right? So we did a lot of things really well. We, there are some areas we can make improvements on. And so I feel like every year is like a refining year. It's like the same thing with teaching first year with curriculum stuff. Second year is a little better. Third year is like, you're, you're just smooth sailing, right? Cause you're just fixing things. And I'm noticing the same thing with reselling. Like first year, like you make a lot of mistakes. The second year, you're like you can correct some of those things. Third year, you're starting to really get into a groove. So I'm just excited to see how the little implements, the changes, little implemented changes are going to affect our bottom line and affect the amount of time and energy we have to put into reselling. Nice. I know that's like a really big, broad thing, but like, yeah. because that's on my mind right now, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. What about you? I, I'm just excited about just doing eBay for three months. Nice. I shared this before, but, uh, and again, I will do Amazon if a store is liquidating or if it's stuff I pick up along the way at a thrift store or a garage sale that I can send it to Amazon, I'll still send stuff in. 
I'll do the old school way where I have a big box. And once that box is full, I'll start thinking about sending stuff in. Uh, but I'm, I'm really, I, I've never done this. And I've shared this before, but I've never spent three months of doing, doing straight eBay as a full-time seller. Mm. I, you know, part-time, I did a lot of eBay before I started doing FBA. But when I jumped to full-time, it was a lot of Amazon. So I want to flip it, see what happens. I'll keep you guys posted. Uh, if, you know, uh, I'm in a really bad place, so I guess I'll let you know. <laughs> Don't but, ever do that again. But I financially set myself up. So, you know, even if things go bad, I'll still be okay. So I'm not too stressed about that. But, you know, I want to I want to make this happen because the thing that I'm going to be missing with not doing Amazon is Amazon gave me a lot of capital. Right. Right. And so now I'm, I'm not only going to be working to pay the bills, but I also need to make a lot of capital for my eBay sales. And so, you know, I'm interested how that's going to work out. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there are people out there that just do eBay and they kill it. And you know what I find? They find that a lot of the, um, I guess, OG resellers or people that have been selling for a long time, like they've done the Amazon thing and they just go straight eBay and they that's all they do is eBay. They make cross posts, but for the most part, like they found that eBay was sustainable and helped a lot. And so I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'll keep everyone posted. We'll see how things go. I like it. All right. With that being said, the clock has turned midnight. And before we, you know, end up being able to continue being. Yeah. Turn into pumpkins. (laughs) Being princes. We're going to say, be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Ladies.